There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. It's Drive Live. Emma B is here for NLT, who is on holiday uh, for a few days. We're also joined now by Ali Al-Assad from uh, HPL Yamalava um, Pleska. He is our legal expert, as ever. Nice to see you. Thank you. Welcome back uh, to the studio. Lots of questions for you um, today. We're really not just talking about real estate, but it's a lot to do with real estate today. But if you do have a question, you need something legal answered. Ali is here to do that. Uh, Okay, so let's start with a question uh, today, Ali. We'll come to the topics that you want to uh, discuss. Yaku should be on the line with us on line one. Yaku, good to talk to you. Afternoon, Tim. How are you guys doing? Good to uh, have you on. hope things are going well with you. The number of questions, I'll let you explain, because uh, there are kind of two parts to your question, Yaku. Yes, yes, two parts. So um, the first part of my question is, I'm nearing the end of my limited contract, so it finishes on the, the 31st of, of July. Um, now, I work in education, so um, because the, the academic calendar finishes on the 12th of July, um, the, the company has decided that uh, my salary should only be paid until the 12th of July. Um, but I said, look, but I can work until the 31st. is not a problem, but they just won't be work because people won't be there. So that's the first one. They, they just want to pay until the 12th. The, the second part is um, a couple of months ago, they also just changed the clause in the contract without informing to say that uh, my dependents um, won't receive a repatriation ticket uh, when it was part of my uh, initial co- or part of the contract, but they said they've changed some policies and procedures that don't allow me to to uh, actually benefit from that. So those are my two questions. So basically, for the first part, you mentioned that your contract expired on the 31st of August 2018. So as long as this is the expiry term of your contract, you are entitled for the salary until the last day, regardless whether the academic school is still running or no, unless there is any side agreements that will say that your contract will expire by the expiry of the academic year. So in the event there is no such stuff, you are entitled for the salary until the last day, which is the 31st of August. Oh, that's, that's good. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's for the first part. For the second part, basically, you mentioned the repatriation package for the dependents, for your family members. First, check your contract. If there is anything in your contract that say that your your family members will be entitled for repatriation, this cannot be affected by any change of policy inside the company. Because if the company will change their policy, it's up to them. But the contract you have is a contract you signed by both parties. And one party have no right to change it by themselves. That's the first scenario. In the event, the scenario is that your contract is silent about that and there is just a matter of practice in the company to repatriate the dependence of the team, then if the company changed the policy, they basically, in a way or another, they have the right to do so. I'm I'm fortunate that it does say in my contract that my employees, spouse and dependents do uh, benefit from this as per the company's policies and procedures. So. Mm. Yeah. And then where would you be able to, to, to fight this? Would you have to report to a labor court? or Basically, yeah, for you? any breach of uh, emplo- of uh, any terms, either from the labor law or from the employment contract you have, first you have to report to the Ministry of Labor, and from there, if it's not settled at the Ministry of Labor, you have to refer the matter to the court and have the process of a normal labor case there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yaku, you've had a, an amendment to your contract in the past, but you, you've looked very carefully at the wording. I just note that you did say that there was an amendment, but that there's nothing relating to these two uh, issues. Yeah, in the new contract, it clearly states that the, the repatriation still falls for the spouse and uh, the dependents under my sponsorship. Okay, so the guess would be that, you know, perhaps somebody's trying this on a little mm. bit here, trying to get away with something. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's what we thought. So um, uh, we'll we'll take it to the necessary authorities to take it further. But uh, thank you so much for that. I just wanted to make sure that that I'm not wrong. <laughs> Sounds like you're not. Uh, well, Ali, uh, there you go. There's the answers, Jackie. Really good to talk to you. I know you're going to be leaving what end of the month or relatively soon. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. All right. Well, look, all the best to you, and thanks for calling. Okay. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks. All right, then. That's Yaku there. So, first question today. Uh, second question for you, Ali. When I moved in to uh, where I now live, I had uh, a few electrical faults. The realtor's not helping. Landlord's number's not working. What do I do? I've sent photos. I've sent emails. Not getting anywhere. What can you do in that case? I mean, this has clearly been documented. Mm. Yeah, so the, the first root part is that you you documented the defaults you are facing, so later nobody can uh, blame that you caused these damages. Yeah. First, in this part, we need to check the first point, whether we are talking about electrical force that prohibits you from using the property. It means that you don't have completely any electricity connection inside the flat or whether we are having like minor stuff with bulbs or was like some sockets in the walls or maybe like for certain devices. And the first option, definitely it's the blame on the landlord. And the second one, we have to check your uh, tenancy contract, whether it specify who fall, uh, who's responsible for the maintenance because the practice and majority of the contracts, major maintenance falls on the landlord, minor ones falls on the tenant. But this is not a rule. Parties can agree in an uh, opposite way. So let's say we have situation where now... Uh, uh, your contract provide for the maintenance to be on the liability of the landlord. In the event you cannot reach the landlord, what we, uh, what we recommend, uh, process the maintenance by yourself, pay it by yourself for now, but keep all the receipts and the invoices you paid for this maintenance. And later, upon the renewal of the tenancy contract, whenever you want to pay your landlord the new rent, you can pay it minus whatever you already advanced for the maintenance. So, say you've got something uh, minor like, I don't know, light switches are not connected or not working, whatever is wrong with them, you would say do that. But what if you've got something like a whole room, there's no electricity, no power in a room, for example, and there's something wrong with the the electricity board, which Mm -hmm. would obviously take a professional to come in to mm. sort out mm-hmm. and obviously cost more money. What do you do in that case? Yeah, basically, the, as long as we are talking about the entire room that you cannot use, definitely this is the liability on the landlord because under the law, the landlord have the obligation to give you a property that you can use. Yeah. If uh, we are talking about a one-bedroom or two-bedroom apartment where one room you cannot use it, that's already 40% of the flat. So in this situation, I know like if uh, financially it might be hard for now, but you need to sort the solution like a quick one. So until you hear back from the landlord, especially if there is no tr- uh, response from their side, the only practical option that fits it by yourself and later claim the, the refund from the landlord. Okay. If, if obviously the agent and the landlord are uncontactable, would you go to RERA, the rent committee, to see if they can get in touch with them? Basically, if you go to RERA, you have to provide the contact details. Yeah. So if uh, the contact details you have are not, uh, you're not getting any answer, most likely that also this answer will be the same. Mm, okay, so you're kind of stuck. What if you can mm. never find your... We've had cases here where somebody's living in an apartment 11, remember, 11 or 12 months after the mm-hmm. contract was due, mm-hmm. could not get uh, to the landlord, luckily had kept the money for the rent mm. and was you know, wanting to pay. Mm. Clearly there was an intent to pay, but just couldn't get hold of the person. Yeah, we've seen this scenario a couple of times where you have a tenant who paid, for example, for the first year, contract expired no notice about the eviction or something. So the tenant want to stay there. Yeah. The tenant have the charge, but he yeah. have no party to pay. So the tenant yeah. want to pay and he cannot find the relevant person. And that's why the rental dispute center came with the process where you can offer set, uh, depositing the checks yeah. for the landlord at the land, rental dispute center. From mm. the time you deposit the checks, 
you did your job and now it's the liability for the landlord to come and tolerate it. But it's, okay. it's it's very frustrating in these things. And, you, and you'd think as an owner, it's on your, it's the onus is on you to hand over a property which is livable in. If there's any problems, you just need to fix it so that when someone moves in, everything's working, everything's nice and hunky-dory. And then, you know, if any little minor things arise, you deal with it as and when they come up. You see, we were talking about this this afternoon and you, you know your problem, you're too nice a landlord, <laughs> it would be, that's what you are. But you're right, you, the obligation is if yeah. somebody rents an apartment from you, you give them an apartment that you can in. It's not difficult. Yeah. And one of the problems you face it in, pra- in reality, there is two options. Whenever you are as a tenant, you are moving in. Either you move you, when you check the property, there is a tenant who's already there. Mm. So there, there is utility. So you can check whatever is working, whatever is not. Mm. But the problems happen whenever you go to check a flat that's already empty. And we know that basically, if the flat is empty, so there is no utilities. Yeah. So you cannot even to check whether the lights are working or no. And that's something you will discover only after you connect your utilities bill, yeah. your utilities services. It's something you come across here as well, isn't it? You've got lots of people who are landlords but perhaps don't have the most professional approach to being uh, a landlord or the necessary experience or perhaps have been bought an apartment and then you you know you rent it out because you think, well, there's rent for me. Uh, and you get that all too often, unfortunately. And sometimes whenever you are at the process, like either a tenant at the process of moving in or from the landlord, whenever your tenant is moving out, there is a lot of order representations. Mm. You can rely on them because I don't say that everybody have a bad face. Majority of the people have the good face. But whenever you rely on oral statements, manage your expectations if stuff turns to be wrong later on. Because whenever you are moving in, you tell your I have this need to be fixed. Yeah, yeah, we'll fix it. You move in, everybody disappears. <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, to, just to, it's, it's good to use a reputable agent. Yep. Isn't that the truth? That's good legal advice, though. Somebody says, yeah, we'll fix it. You need yeah. that in yeah. writing. Don't or you? in the event, they, like, sometimes like that is minor stuff that it's not worth it to make it in writing just like manage your expectations so in the event you get a no later on that's something you can manage yourself yeah I I love that phrase these days that we use all the time manage your expectations that means Mm. be careful because you might be disappointed you know? yeah. We are talking legal matters. Drive live. Talks legal. And Ali Al-Assad is here from Yamana and Pletka this afternoon. He's our legal expert. We've got uh, a number of questions to come to for you, Ali, specifically about tenancy contracts and commercial properties rented by a company. That's to come as well. Um, I just wanted to update you on what's going on in Thailand. We have word, this is unconfirmed, that eight boys have now been rescued. Uh, it's still not officially confirmed. Confirmed, depending on the sources you use, that the sixth and the seventh evacuees are okay. But we are starting to get reports of that. Uh, and there are also reports of an eighth boy who has been rescued, which means there are four MB boys yeah. still there, plus their coach. Coach, yes, exactly. That's, right. okay. yep. That's what we know. The operation to rescue uh, the stranded boys and the coach has been uh, halted for the day. So, obviously, rising waters, they're trying to do things as quickly as possible. But that's what we know. Looks like eight boys uh, are now okay. Mission to rescue the remaining boys uh, began, I think it's around about 10 hours ago. So, keep up to date with that story. We're following that. Ali uh, Alassad is here. It's nice to see you. Let's go back to the text lines. And actually, this is a long one, uh, Ali. Let me just uh, offer you this one. Can a company put a cap on the amount they're willing to give you for your annual return airfare? My company is putting a cap of 3,000 dirhams. Airfares to my home country usually cost a good bit more than that. So what should happen? 
So basically, to start with the annual tariff, like we are talking about the tariff that you take it on ba- on yearly basis. Yeah. Basically, the law doesn't put such obligation on the company. And therefore, whenever the company offered in the contract, if in the contract they put a cap of X thousand of dirhams, the company, the parties have to abide by it, regardless whether this tariff is enough for you to reach your country or no. Yeah. But sometimes it's more like a, uh, a term to be added between the parties. If you add it at the beginning at 3,000, while the tariff to your country is 5,000, you have to stick to the 3,000. So uh, if your contract shows that it's 5,000 and the company now is trying to uh, pay less, then no, you have the right to stick to whatever is in your contract. It's 5,000, then you stick to the 5,000. Okay, so that's the first part of the question from Anonymous. Another text, uh, and this kind of continues from this, I understand public holidays can't be counted towards annual leave, but what if holidays fall midweek? Uh, Arafat Day, Eid al-Adha, are falling on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this year. So this person says, I'd like to apply for Monday and Friday off. This person works on Fridays usually in order to get the whole week. The company says... If I ask for Monday and Friday, they'll also deduct the three days of public holiday from my annual leave as they fall between the two days I'm requesting off. Is this okay? Yeah, so basically for the annual leave, there is two types of contracts we've seen in practice. There is the contract that gives you the 30 calendar days, which is the standard one. Away of that, we see some companies who offer, for example, 25 or 22 working days. In the event you fall under the certain category where your contract shows working days, then the public holidays should not count. While in the event your contract provides provide for calendar days, yes, let's say you apply for 15 days, and within these 15 days there will be two public holidays, this will intertwine. So you're not going to be, so if you take 15 days where there is two public holidays, you actually consumed 15 days of your annual leave. Mm. Gotcha. And again, this is down to the wording in the contract, so you need to go back to your contracts yeah. and really understand what yeah. is there. And ma- majority of the contracts we've seen, it's always the calendar, unless you have the exception of working. If you have working, then yes, you have to add more days. There you go. That's the answer uh, there. Now, um, let me see. What else have we got in here? How do I formally cancel my tenancy contract via post uh, or email? So basically, from the wording of the question, I believe you are the tenant. So for the tenant to terminate the tenancy contract, that's not something you can do it by your own will unless the contract provides for that. So if you have a tenancy contract that shows that tenancy contract for two years or for one year and doesn't mention anything about early termination, it means basically you cannot terminate the contract unless you have the approval from the landlord where both parties will agree together to terminate the tenancy contract. So if you don't have an early termination clause, you have to stay by the contract unless the landlord agrees otherwise. In the event we are talking about a contract that provides for early termination clause, let's say you have a provision in your contract that says in the event the tenant would like to terminate earlier, he have to provide one month's notice or and pay one month's penalty or something. Mm. To do so, if the contract doesn't provide for a clear way to do it, for a specific way to do it, or what we recommend is to do it in writing. Send an email to the landlord, to an email address that you know that he can access it, or you can serve him by uh, normal post if you know his uh, address here in Dubai, for example, you know his office or you know his house. You can send him a written letter saying that I, as per cont- clause X of the contract, I hereby notify you about my will to terminate the contract and therefore like, I pay you the penalty and I request the refund for the remaining amount. And if this person is literally just saying they don't want to renew their existing mm-hmm. tenancy contract, am I writing thinking they just have to let the landlord know at the 90 day yeah, 90 point days, that they don't want to renew? Yeah, and this one also should be in writing. In the event the 90 days uh, timeline passed and you don't serve your landlord about your intention not to renew, as a matter of practice, what we say at the court, in the event the landlord will challenge it, the court will deem that the contract was renewed and the tenant will have to pay the rent for the coming year. Okay. Drive Live Talks Legal, line one. Aslam uh, is there or should be. Aslam, afternoon. 
Yeah, good afternoon. Good to have you on. So, question about uh, your company renting a commercial property in Dubai to an expat tenant. Am I right? Yes, that's, that's uh, right, yes. What's, what's your question for Ali, Aslam? My question is that we rented this premise to the tenant and uh, we have received the rent till the end of the year. That is, the contract expires in December and we have received the rent till December. But now the tenant has left the country. Probably he has run away, to be, to be precise. Okay. And uh, the property is now, uh, is, uh, he has left the property locked behind and uh, we need to take possession of the property and we are trying to contact him but uh, we are not able to get in touch with him. It's a hard one, isn't it? And you're into July, yeah. uh, nearly into August. Yeah, it is August, but uh, there is no, we don't know the whereabouts of the tenants, and I, and uh, we, have, we have come to know that they will not never return to the country. Okay. Um, so in Ali. this scenario. Yeah. Okay, let's ask Ali the, uh, about that scenario. Excuse me, so since when the tenant is away of the, since when you, you know that he left the property? Uh, he left three months back. Three months back, okay. Officially, to follow the safest way and the way, as per the law, what we recommend is to file a case against the tenant for non-payment because as I assume he didn't pay you rent for the, this time so for that you have to serve him a 30 days notice even if he's not there the lottery public can leave the notice on his door 30 days after that you can file an eviction case if the tenant is not there if he doesn't pay your case is a 100% win you will win you will have a judgment once you have a judgment you will have two parts first of all the judgment will give you the the rent uh, of the period until the day of eviction and the second of all they give you the uh, right to access the property in the event you don't have, so we have yes we tell. have received the rent until the end of the contract there is not up to december so there is no, nothing balanced oh, uh, until the next the until, the until the end of this this of december 2018 2018. That is the expiry yeah, date of the contract. Yeah. Uh, until that time, you, uh, the tenant have the right to, like, we, we don't have right to access the property because you already received the rent for it. So even if yeah. it's uh, empty, you have the, like, the tenant can uh, opt not to use it. However, in the law, there is a provision that says that in the event the property is left uh, unused, a commercial property left unused for a certain period of time, yes, you have the right to claim eviction. But now we are in... Uh, uh, or in uh, in July. So until you have a judgment, this will, will be like maybe like two months or three months before the expiry. So what we recommend not to initiate any case for now, especially that you have already the cash in your hands. Aslam. Yeah. So how to how to proceed with I mean before the expiry of the contract in case if you are not able to get in touch with him. In the event the contract expires and the tenant is not there, basically you have the right to access the property. So should you proceed to the rent committee? There is two ways. If you have, because if the tenancy expires, what we recommend is to have documentation with the tenant, try to reach him at least by email, even if he doesn't reply, but at least send it. And like, would you like to renew the rent or no? In the event you don't get any answer, by opening the flat, you will be like, like I should think nobody will challenge you. In the event you want to do it the 100% official way, yes, obtain a judgment from there so you can open the door and even break the locks legally with the presence of an official. And from there you can access the property and it's yours. Aslam, do you have everything documented in the, you know, the emails, the, the letters you've written to the tenant to ask where they are? Uh, yeah, we have all the documents. And you and I have been trying to get in touch with him through you know, WhatsApp and email. It's a frustrating but, you know, once situation, in a while he isn't just it? Responds, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, does that answer your question, Ali's answer then? Uh, yes, sir, that's great. Mm. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Also, one part we can recommend. In the event uh, you f- you f- see and you confirm that the tenant has no uh, no intention to come back and he, there is no any actual sign that he's coming back, what you can do, you can open the flat, but be careful about one point because you don't want to face the situation where you open the, f- the office and later somebody will come and tell you, oh, there was a $1 million do- cash inside it. So if you want to open any doors and stuff, be sure to have a 
police patrol on your side so they de- document that the door was open in their presence and whatever was available inside the flat or inside the office at that time. Know, one of his staff just told me that, you know, that there's a possibility that he might send a letter that terminating the contract from out of the country. So will it be valid if he sends any letters? Yeah, if, if, you, have, if you have such stuff, that will be even better here. Yeah. Aslam, okay. it's been good to talk Great. to you. All the best with this. A frustrating situation, but uh, hopefully uh, you can work something out. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's Aslam. Uh, questions for Ali Al-Assad from Yamala Rupletka, 4001 via the free app, or you can call us, 871-5500. I just had one question about uh, Aslam there. Mm. If I mean, obviously, it's frustrating. You've rented, you've had your money, so mm. you're okay. There are no VAT implications. That's fine. But it's, you know, the, the that's really not the point, is it? If you do uh, state a case to the court and you can then reuse the office, are you legally obliged to rent at the end of the, the past contract, so, or can you rent? I don't know. Say in October, for example. Uh, basically, there is two part, there's two scenarios that may apply here. If you file upon the expiry, then yes, uh, you can uh, rent it normally. In the right. event you file for early termination, the court may, uh, de- uh, let's say, you meet all the obligation or all the proof to terminate the contract early. Then yes, you will have the right to reuse the property, but also you will have the obligation to refund the tenant whatever outstanding of the rent is still there, away of any penalties he may owe it to you for early termination. Okay, it's worth keeping in mind. Uh, back to the text, I guess. Yeah, we've got one in here on uh, gratuity. Um, David says, can gratuity be included in the salary package if stated in the company employment contract? My wife left the company and was expecting gratuity but was advised to refer to the small print in the contract and gratuity was subsequently not given. Is this allowed? We've seen this scenario before where, for example, you receive your, uh, let's say, monthly package, 25,000 dirham plus 5,000 dirham for end of service, and you received on a monthly basis. This is not end of service. You have the right to claim your end of service as if you never received anything. Okay. All right. Simple enough. We are looking at legal matters. Drive live. Talks legal. Let's go straight to the telephone line. Mohammed is on the line with us. Mohammed, it's good to have you on as well. Hi, hi there. Thanks You're very welcome. Now, you have a story okay. to tell. I'm going to let you tell your story. Yes. So what okay. is it, Mohammed? So the story starts from uh, 2012. I was having two credit cards and uh, then I lost my job. Okay. Actually, I was having the credit shield uh, covered. Right. So I submitted the documents to both uh, banks and they told me they will contact me if they need it. And then I left uh, the country and uh, after a few months, I came back to find a job. I started actually a few months, in fact, a year almost, mm-hmm. and um, the bank still did not contact me. Um, they did not even send me an email or call me. And I was thinking it's sorted already. So then uh, after a few years, like on 2015, I went, because there was a credit bureau already, so I went to the credit bureau and uh, got the report to see if anything still exists. Then I found one of the credit card showing and the other one was not showing there. So they, I reached the, the bank and they said, uh, okay, they need to pay me some amount and then they will close it because right. the rest paid by the insurance already. Okay. Then um, uh, the, that card was closed after they pay me some amount. And then I was thinking everything is okay with the other bank because it's not showing in the credit bureau. Then recently I was applying for a loan and then it was rejected. I reached the uh, credit bureau and asked for the report and the other credit card was showing and it was defaulted already. So the balance when uh, in 2012, it was 11,000 and now 
with 331,000. So I reached the bank and I said, this was not showing in the report in 2015, and now it's showing. And I did not get any call or anything. Actually, I have a car loan from the same bank. Recently, like more, more uh, one and a half year ago, I started it. I'm paying on time. They did not even know about it because, you know, and then uh, now they're asking me to pay the amount. So okay, I so I, I was having the uh, credit uh, shield. They're supposed to pay that. Well, I was going to ask you that. So for both of these yeah. cards that you've mentioned, you had a credit shield in policy in place. And in yeah. theory, if you had a balance, and unfortunately you lost your job, that should yeah. have taken care of the balance. That's what credit shields are for. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So what you want to know now is what you can do about this, because obviously this yeah. interest has mounted up over, what, nearly six years, by the sound of things, yeah. from 11,000 exactly. to 130. Odd thousand. Yeah, hundred thirty-one thousand. Yeah. Uh, well, look, very sorry to hear it. Um, I mean, let, let's let's hand this over to Ali. See what he has to say. You leave assuming that it's closed, while actually you just discover, as what happened with Muhammad, that after a couple of years, that the interest are adding up and the penalty of non-payment are adding up, and all of a sudden you find yourself with all this bulk of money outstanding on your account. So, what we recommend in this situation, first of all, like usually banks, they hand over this matter to election agents, so you have to negotiate with them like pretty in a tough way, because basically, like the uh, the negotiation there will be from their side that you have to pay, you have to pay. While if you push them, there is a way that these amounts will be reduced to a way lesser amount than what you are facing right now. Uh, alternatively, or at the same time, what you can consider is filing a complaint against the bank uh, uh, at the central bank. And that's a part that you can consider. And the third one, which is the ultimate option you have, is going to the court, filing a case against the bank and against the insurance company that was providing the uh, credit shield because uh, the, this insurance company is the one who has the obligation to pay on your behalf. Okay, so they, uh, I'm already in uh, communication with the uh, the collection department, and they already agreed with, to pay the eleven thousand. But I'm saying no, the, the, the insurance supposed to pay this one because uh, that's why the the credit shield is for. I, I, and the, no, but yeah. this is compounded, isn't it, Mohammed? Because what you're effectively saying is, look, I haven't done anything here. I took out the appropriate yeah. level of cover. Mm. I unfortunately lost my job. You should have paid that money in the first instance. Whether it's 130000 now with interest or 11000 originally is immaterial. Yeah. It's not for you to pay. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so the other, bank, the other bank already paid that, so right. I'm assuming that, that that's the, the rules for all the banks and all the insurance companies. Basically, literally speaking, I agree with you 100%, but just as a matter of practice, just to save the hassle, if you can pay the 11000 that the bank is claiming now and get a clearance certificate from them showing that you don't owe them anything, once you have this letter, later you can go after the bank and after the credit shield provider. Because at least by paying the 11000 and getting the clearance, you are putting yourself away of bouncing any checks because, you know, every card was a was a security check. So you don't want to face a situation where before you pay, or for example, let's say if the matter is too late now with the bank, you will have out of a sudden a bounce check case against yourself. And with the amount uh, you are talking about, if they put anything more than 200,000 dirham, then you will be subject to the normal bank process, uh, bounce check process, not the summary one that was recently introduced in Dubai. So, Mohammed, okay. uh, it, what, what you would contend is this should be as simple as have a, you have the documentation from when you had the two credit cards, I guess, and the, the proof yes. of the credit shield. It should be a matter of going to the bank and saying, look, this is what happened. But it's, it's gone beyond that. The, the reason they're showing is that they asked for the document I haven't provided. That's what they're saying. But I did not get any email or anything showing asking for the documents. And actually, I have submitted all the documents on the branch. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, yep. in this case, and you can prove that you've submitted these documents as well. Uh, you have actually, copies because, of uh, them. They're not giving. They're not giving us any, uh, you know, proof that that I have submitted because they don't give any uh, receipt. Okay, can you but, send it by uh, email? Because if you send it by email, then you will have a proof that you will provide them these documents. I can provide. Yes, I told them I have original documents until now. The, even the termination letter, everything. If they need. I can provide them now and let's sort this out. Okay, so what I think what Ali's saying is if you can send them by email, you have mm. a receipt. Okay. That you have proof that you've done that. Have you sent them by email yet? No, I haven't. Okay, so I suppose that's the, that's the next That's what we course. recommend because uh, okay. whenever you draw for negotiations over this point, they, uh, so they don't face it with the fact that you didn't send us. You have the documents, you have the proof, you have a copy of the email that you sent it to them. And from there, you can... Uh, go through negotiations as discussed before. But in the event you reach a situation where you have an impasse, either proceed with the bounce check or pay the 11, pay the 11, take the clearance, let it go and sue them. Okay. Mohammed? Fantastic, thank you. Yeah. Very thank frustrating. Very Six years of uh, hurt, unfortunately, yeah. but really hope you get a resolution soon. Thanks for calling. Thanks for it. That's okay. Mohammed. Uh, we've got questions in. We've got Ali Al-Assad with us on Drive Live because uh, just so many questions uh, today, Ali. Nice to have you staying around. I don't mean to keep Our you. Uh, but you know what? Here's a question from uh, Satira. Called us to ask. One of her employees was terminated and she found out that he's been running his own firm in the same line of business. There's a warning flag immediately, obviously. Not under his name, but he's pretty much the boss. Satira is understandably uh, aggrieved. Is there any form of legal action that uh, she could take out? So basically, we're talking about an employee who basically left his employer and he started a competing business. He was terminated. Uh, he was terminated. terminated. Yeah, who left? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like the employment relationship came to an end and now there is some kind of fair competition, basically. Yeah. In the event the employee's contract included any non-competition clause, then you might have a recourse against him. In the event there is no non-competition clause, then that's the right for him. He can resign and start a business next door. As long as he doesn't touch your, your clients, then you, he owes you nothing. In the event there is an uncompetition clause, we need to see it first and to see whether it's uh, quite reasonable because the court have their own definition about what's reasonable. So if the non-competition clause is reasonable, then that's the starting point where you can consider an action. But at that time, we need to be aware about something. In the event you cannot prove any damages that he caused to you because of his new business, also there is no recourse against him. We see, this is what I was going to ask you, the the question of damages in that has this person taken clients or taken exactly. intellectual property or stolen yeah. a database of, of sales contacts or something? If you could prove that, obviously you could do something. There is, in the event there is any uh, stealing of any information, that's a criminal case uh, that you can start, but for that also you need a proof. In the event he took your clients, then yes, you may have a case against him, but not to close the business. It's more about compete, uh, compensating you for the money you lost because losing your clients. Okay, but in so the event he doesn't touch your clients, there is no case. Right. Okay. Your answer. Hopefully that helps you, Satira. And uh, Ali, we've got lots of text messages come in about uh, tenancy contracts. Uh, we've got one here. Is a text message stating I have no intent of renewing acceptable as notice within my notice period? Yeah, so basically a text message and WhatsApp are accepted at the court as a written proof for communication. Just be sure that you send it to the right number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I get some really odd texts. We get really odd texts in here. Um, My tenant's checks keep bouncing. Uh, She doesn't even pay, uh, answer her calls. Any suggestions there? Two checks have bounced. No 
there's just nothing here. It's happened for the last three years. Yeah, if we take, for example, Dubai as an example, and you have a tenant who bounces chat, basically, whenever there is two resources. First, there is the reporting the bounce chat to the police. That's a criminal case. And now under the new system, if the value of the chat is below 200,000 dirham, then most likely the tenant won't go to jail. They will just pay a fine. At the same time, in the event uh, the chat bounced, which means you are not uh, getting the rent uh, amount. So for that, you have the right to send a legal notice, but this one through the notary public. We recommend to do it through the notary public, warning the tenant to pay within 30 days. In the event the day 30 days passed, day th- number 31, you have the right to file for an eviction case where you claim the eviction and the money for the rent that he didn't pay. Okay. And, uh, oh, this is a very complicated one here. Um, We just got a letter from our building owner, who is also the landlord. It's a residential uh, 13-storey building. Uh, They're saying that the large playroom on the ground floor is being changed into a supermarket. Does this invalidate the lease? I have a five-year-old and feel my deal is no longer what it was. Plus, dozens of supermarkets in the area already are, th- are already there, including in our building next door. Plus, increased fire hazard, I feel. What is our stance on this? So, from a legal standpoint, uh, basically, any tenancy contract includes the property and the common areas and the facilities that are available in the building, unless the contract provides for the opposite. So, if there is anything, there is nothing in the contract that say this playground can be converted or is not part of the rent, then it is part of your rent. And by the landlord converting this unit from being a common area to be a supermarket, he breached the contract. So legally speaking, you have an argument. But from a practical standpoint, if this this common area, this playground was an essential part for you being interested in this property, we recommend that you proceed with a filing a case against the landlord for early termination for breaching the contract. And the event was not that really essential part for the rent, then it's, it's more like... A, a matter, uh, it's a personal decision whether you want to uh, chase your rights until the last minute or if you decide that it's not maybe feasible, you just let it go. Honestly speaking, Ali, is it worth it if you have grounds in theory, but is it practically, is it worth it? To be honest, like, uh, with a playground, it might be a bit uh, not really a clear cut point. For example, if you tell me that the landlord is taking away the parking, that's a major issue. Especially yeah. because uh, there well, is that's no parking. kind of the yeah. point. I mean, if you took away something like parking or I don't know, yeah. uh, uh, swimming, pool, swimming pool, or a for gym. example. Yeah, but for playground, I'm not sure like how frequently people use it. So if, but it depends. If the person, uh, if we're talking about somebody who have a family of five kids and they always use this property, mm-hmm. then it might be worth it to chase. But just just to follow up to that, I was going to ask: Would the owner have to have got permission to change for change of use from residential to commercial? Yeah, basically in this situation, because uh, even we the unit itself, whenever every every premises in the building have its own designation at the land department, so mm-hmm. to change it from. Uh, let's say a playground to be like a supermarket, you need to obtain some approval from the municipality. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, hopefully that helps. Rishi's asking, I have a question related to a labour case wherein I filed a case against my employer. I've won the case. Good for you. The employers challenged the judgment. After the judgment, an investigator was involved by the court. However, the final judgment, final judgment, is in my favour. Mm-hmm. The case has been going on for 18 months. When will I receive the amount from the employer which is mentioned in the final judgment? And I guess Rishi's saying, look, I want to collect. When will I collect? And further to that, how do I collect? So basically, once you have the final judgment, there is a red stamp usually that the court will put it on this judgment. Whenever you have this red stamp, you can proceed with filing the enforcement claim. For that, you have to pay filing fees. It's 2% of the claim amount you are claiming capped at 5000 from there, the court will serve this claim to the land, to the employer who have the right to pay it amicably within 15 days. In the event within 15 days you don't receive the payment, you have the right to start inquiring about the assets of the company, bank accounts, properties, stores, whatever they have, seize it, auction it, from there you get the money. 
That can be a long, laborious process. Just want to say a friend went through this. It took him two years and they had to jail the owner before he got his Yeah, that's juice. the ultimate <laughs> one. In the event you find you don't find any assets, you have the right to request from the court to arrest the owner of the about establishment or the person, whoever is blocking the payment of the mm. judgment value. Okay, extended drive live talks legal today. Time for two more quick fire questions. Really quickly, um, I just maxed my card, credit card due to medical bills. I need six months to sort my finances and can pay everything off. How do I convince a bank from a legal perspective to give me that kind of payment holiday? Negotiations. <laughs> if they will. <laughs> like, practically speaking, that's the only option for now. And as long as there is no, they didn't touch the checks against you, that's fine. Worst case scenario, if you can bring somebody who guaranteed the debt on your behalf with the mm. bank, that might be something that they may push them to have more negotiate, to be more open to negotiate that's the deal. A, with that's you. a USP in negotiation tactics mm. there, but it may it may help. Finally, uh, a question for Ali about tenancy. I formally communicated to my landlord a 60 days notice to not renew my contract, but with a caveat that if I change my mind and want to renew, I'll let him know before the contract expires. How many days before expiry should I let him know if I want to renew? What's what reasonable? First, whether there was a reply from the landlord accepting that or no. And even there is no reply, maybe the disclaimer won't work. And I was going to ask, at mm. 60 days, legally it's 90 days you have to give notice, unless, unless it's it states in your contract. If the contract shows less, then yeah. uh, the court tend to accept less. But the issue was the disclaimer, because if you are giving him a notice, but at yeah. the same time you are not giving the notice, so should he start looking for a tenant or no? It's not so fair on the owner, really, yeah, is it? Exactly. So unless he approved it in writing, then most likely you serve the notice. The notice is there. Okay, there you go. That's the answer for you, Masood. Thanks for texting in. That's all the time we have for Drive Live Talks Legal. A lot more than we would usually do, but Ali Al-Assad, as ever, really appreciate you coming in. Thanks for your time. Our pleasure. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.